It's good to be with you, Vintage Pasadena. My name is Kathleen, and we've been in a series in Colossians, and we're going to continue that if you can open up your Bible or open up an app. And we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. But I want to do a little bit of context and a little bit of setup before we get into that chapter. Something that's important to know about this particular um, community that Paul is writing to, one is he, he never really spent time with them. He's gotten messages back from a few people about what's going on in this community, and so he's writing to address some of the concerns that are happening there. And this community is in a Greek location, but it's under Roman occupation, so it's got a lot of cultural dynamics happening, and this church also has a whole group of people with a Jewish background or a Hebrew background in it. So right there, you've got a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of different people trying to come together, and it has been really challenging. It has been a really tough go for this community, and so Paul is trying to address this idea of how do we work together and how do we come together when we've got so many people dealing with so many different components and different backgrounds. And so what I love about this passage and what I love about the book of Colossians is it's stuff that we deal with today. This is a a letter that's 2,000 years old and it still definitely hits the same buttons that human beings deal with today. Um, So as we look at this passage, I wanna do a tiny bit of context. At the beginning of chapter three, what Paul is reminding this community of is that they are all under Christ. And Christ, at this point, because of the resurrection, is seating, seated at the right hand of the Father. And what he's trying to do is create an image of God as king, and that would be an image that that community would definitely understand. And what he's describing is Jesus is at the king's right hand. He's at the Father's right hand. And what they would have understood about that position is that is a very um, important prominent position in a kingdom. And what the king would do is the person at his right hand is his main advisor. It's his main partner in figuring out how to run things. And this is the person that he's going to run everything by. He knows this is someone who is aligned with him and who's on the same page with him. And what Paul is reminding this church of is you are seated with Christ in that position. You're in the same spot. So in this kingdom, in this heavenly realm, where Jesus is seated, constantly consulting with the Father of how do we reign and how do we rule and what are you about, Lord? What are you about, Heavenly Father? There's this interplay back and forth of the Lord saying, what I want you to know is you're seated in the same position with Jesus. And the same way the Heavenly Father would consult and work with Jesus and empower Jesus, we've been given that same position. And so in this fractured, divided community, Paul is reminding them, no matter where you're coming from, no matter if you've got a Roman background, a Greek background, whether you're coming from a position where you've worshiped a million gods and you're trying to just add Jesus to the package, or you've come from a Jewish Hebrew background and now you are trying to turn it, you know, lead and follow the Messiah, wherever you're coming from, We've got to remember who the Heavenly Father is, that he has a way that he wants to rule and bring his kingdom to bear on earth. He's positioned Jesus at his right hand, and we sit in that same seat. So regardless of our background, that's the place that we want to remember that we're living in, and that's the place that we want to go for our main counsel. So as we look at Colossians 3, beginning in 12 through 17. Matt's going to read that for us, and we're going to begin to unpack that passage. Hi, everyone. Uh, My name's Matt, and today's reading comes from Colossians 3, uh, verses 12 through to 17. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must 
clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So I don't know what stands out to you first about this passage, but I noticed for me one of the first things that stands out in this passage is this idea of forgiveness. And I would love to say that the minute I read that, I feel so excited to get on board with that, and I think that's really fun and exciting. And the truth is, this, as soon as I see forgiveness, I actually can at times feel really defensive. Um, I can at times feel like this isn't realistic, this isn't fair, and this isn't right. And so when I read a passage like this, one of the thir- first things that I have to remind myself is this passage is beginning to describe to me the qualities and the characteristics of God. So when it says things like he's tenderhearted, he's compassionate, that he wants us to be gentle, those are his qualities, that we have been forgiven. And when I'm not sitting in that place of experiencing God as being forgiving, as being tenderhearted, as being reasonable, gentle, compassionate, kind, it's really hard for me to be able to kind of put that on display for anybody else. And so one of the first things that we have to do when we look at a passage like this is ask ourselves, am I experiencing this for myself? Do I experience forgiveness? Have I experienced God's kindness? Because if I haven't, it's gonna be so hard for me to give that to anybody else. But as I do experience God's goodness and forgiveness and kindness through the power of the Holy Spirit, we know that it is the Holy Spirit that reveals those things to us. As I experience those things, I'm actually able to relax. I know I'm loved. I know that I'm accepted. I know that I'm deeply connected to God. And now I'm able to let the rest of this stuff flow. And so as we look at a passage like this, it's really important not to just feel like this is a list of things to do. It isn't. Obviously, there's going to be fruit that comes out of us because of a passage like this. We're called to some things that might challenge us. But the first place to start is our own deep connection with God. But as we look at a passage like this, and as we consider being deeply connected to God because of the Holy Spirit, one of the things that we're called to is this idea of one body that's unified and that's peaceful. And that, I don't think that's easy. And if you read the passage right ahead of this, it, he's talking about ways that they're really at each other's throats. Um, they're not necessarily very honest with each other. They can be pretty prideful. They can be pretty arrogant. They're using each other. There's a lot of sexual immorality. I mean, things are not going great in this community and yet he would refer to them as believers. And so when we look at this call to unity and we consider again that we're at the right hand of the Heavenly Father looking to him, one of the main things that we need to do is get unified in our purpose. What are we about? Why have we come together? What does it mean to be a believer? And when I thought about this part of the passage and this idea of unity, when you've got different personalities, different perspectives, different lifestyles and outlooks, what does it look like to unify? Um, I thought about a time when I was in my early 20s, and it was the beginning of me being a supervisor to people at, at places of employment. And I had inherited a team, and honestly, they could not have been more different, 
And to be really honest, some of them were absolutely not suited for the job. And it was a really tough inheritance. And the truth was, if I could have made changes, I would have, but because of some contracts and some politics, I was just gonna have to work with this team. And when we would gather, you could experience tension and, or crickets. Like there was just no natural cohesion about this team. And I remember just praying about it and just thinking this year is gonna feel like 20. I mean, this is just not gonna be a good time. It's gonna be really long. But what I, as I prayed, and I really was hitting my knees on this one, I just felt like the Lord said, just find a, a clear goal. Just find a clear goal and give everybody a part. And as we did that, and we found a really clear goal, and this was a ministry-oriented type of job, and we found a really clear goal that we were all working toward. We weren't working on being each other's best friends. We weren't working on getting along necessarily. We were working on something bigger than ourselves. And we were finding ways to bring our gifts and bring our perspective and bring our talents into that bigger goal. We began to see people get along. We began to see people enjoy each other. We began to see people have common interests and crack jokes and now have memories together. And so what we didn't do is sit down at coffee and say, let's just talk and let's just get to know each other. What we said is let's do something together. And that is such an important part of kingdom living. In fact, that is how Vintage Pasadena started. You've got this group of people that are different and from the whole political spectrum and from all kinds of different backgrounds. And what they decided is that they wanted to see Alpha and they wanted to see the Holy Spirit show up in Pasadena. And as they came together, and I remember having, um, I can see some of them right here, um, having a, a lunch with some of them as Ben was coming out to interview for the role, it was really striking to me that as we sat around this table with people from different continents and different backgrounds, the passion to see God's kingdom come in this community was palpable. There were tears, there were great stories of watching what God did, and there was this incredible sense of unity around this table. And I would say at this moment that we're struggling in it and everything's kind of going wrong right now, right? We don't know what's, first of all, we don't know what the truth is about anything, just to be frank. But when we don't know what's going on with people's health. We don't know what's going on in our political systems. We don't know what's going on in our world in general. It's really easy to disunify. It's really easy to start heading out in all kinds of different agendas and goals. And the reminder in this passage is we've got to get on the same page and we've got to get on kingdom values and make those the main goal and the main priority and let the Holy Spirit lead us and work through us in that. Because what we also see in this passage is this idea that if it's going to be kingdom work, it's got to be work that's humble and reliant on the Holy Spirit. We've all got gifts and talents that the Lord has given to us, and many people use them so well. There's going to be times where the Lord's just given you something, and whatever you touch just flourishes. But sometimes when it comes to real kingdom work, there's an, a laying down of my natural talents and abilities, and there's a picking up of, Lord, I think you're asking me to do something even bigger. You're asking me to do something that is beyond my capacity. It's beyond my talent. It's beyond my abilities. And so what I need to do is ask you to lead me in that and take the resources you give me, lay them at your feet, set my pride aside, and ask you to lead me in the work that you're wanting to do in a moment like this where it's so difficult and so tense. Um, I love this passage in Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. I'm re reading it in the New Living Translation. But it says, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. 
But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord, who, uh, who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. And what I love about this is some people are gonna have immense power, incredible wisdom, um, incredible wealth, and all of those are not necessarily bad things. What the invitation is here is to take those and submit those to the Lord and continue to remind ourselves, if I wanna be about God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, that's a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. That's not my strategy. That's not my ability to think this through. That's not my ability to wield my power or my riches. That's a whole new ball game. And as believers, it's so difficult in this moment where we can't gather right now. We're not able to be with each other. I think at this moment, Satan is probably having a field day. Um, as I got a chance to talk, um, I don't know, a couple months ago as we talked about Jesus in the desert. And one of the strategies that Satan was able to use to try to tempt Jesus was to get him out of his whole routine, get him away from everything he was familiar, and get him away from all the people that he knew and loved. And that was the moment to try to tempt. And that's the moment that we're in right now. We are all divided. It's hard to be together. It's hard to gather. It's hard to get on the same page. And so more than ever, these are the moments where we need the Holy Spirit to unify us supernaturally because we can't rely on the normal tools that we've normally had to keep us unified. And as much as I like the old tools, <laughs> I like gathering together, I like all of us being in the same room, we can't do it. And so what we need to do is say, Lord, this is absolutely impossible, but you're the God that rose Jesus from the dead. This is absolutely impossible, but you've cured leprosy. This is totally unrealistic, but you've cast out demons. And so you're the same God today that you've always been. And what we need you to do is show up in power to reunify us and really get our eyes back on your purposes and our eyes back on kingdom living right now. That we would enjoy the peace, that we would enjoy the love, that we would enjoy the strength that comes through that kind of unity. And then finally, and I sort of made this point, is just this idea that whatever this looks like, our main intent and goal that needs to unify us is this idea that the greatest commandment is love. Love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love our neighbor as ourself. That no matter what we do, that it needs to look like love. And these are the moments where it doesn't require genius and it doesn't require a lot of resources. It requires faith and commitment. So a couple practical things that I just want to invite all of us into. One is just intercession. It's so important in this moment. I have been, I am a debater. I'm not just a debater. I love to win a debate. Um, I love to win a good argument. Um, some of you know that about me. And I mean, I'm so tempted to pull out all the stops right now. And I feel like I'm just being convicted that I need to just shut my yapper. And I need to just uh, pray. Pray for anything I'm concerned about. If I'm mad at someone, I need to pray for them. If I'm irritated with a particular system, that's the system I need to pray for. If I am incensed about something that's happening, that is something that I need to pray for. That I need to kind of stop talking. I need to pull back and recognize the God that created the whole universe loves everyone here. 
And more than anything, he wants to see his kingdom come and his reign happen here. So I need to go back to him and say, what are you doing and what are you about and how do I get on board with your plan? So we definitely want to be interceding and definitely want to remember who God is in all of this. We also want to meditate. Take a passage like this Colossians passage. Take the Jeremiah passage that we read, 9, 23 through 24, and sit with it and sit with it for a whole week. It's so easy right now for me to think about what someone else should be doing in their faith. And what meditation does is it forces me to think about what I should be doing with my faith. How do I line up with with Colossians chapter three. Unfortunately, not as well as I had hoped as I started reading it. And you know what? I'm sure you're all doing it perfect, right? Right? But we know this is so hard to apply to me. I want to apply it to you, but that's not what scripture calls it me to. So as I meditate, I want to sit humbly before God's word and say, you are on the throne. I'm with Christ next to you going, what's your plan? How do you do it? And when I hit a snag and I think that doesn't sound like a plan that's gonna work, you're being too soft on people, Jesus. You're being too kind, you're being too forgiving, you're being too nice. And sometimes I'm tempted to say that. What I wanna do is sit even longer and say, give me your instruction. Help me hear your word because I know that you know what you're doing. At this moment, I wanna work off my instincts, I wanna work off of my personality, I wanna work off this worldly system Help me lay it down and listen to you. And finally, similar to the alpha thing that I talked about earlier, it's so important to look for practical outlets. Lord, we want to sit at your feet and listen to you, and then we want you to send us out. And I think what's lovely about a diverse group of people is you're going to have people stationed in all sorts of different sectors and locations filled with the Holy Spirit, bringing the life wherever they are. Our goal has never been to come together and huddle up and all be the same. The sameness comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. The sameness comes through a goal and a commitment to pursuing the kingdom of God. But from there, he's allowed us to be so different and he's stationed and positioned us all over the world to be his ambassadors. So we wanna bless that in each other. We wanna make room for that in each other. And we wanna ask the Lord to fuel Holy Spirit work wherever my brothers and sisters are, in any sector or in any location that they're at. So what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna spend a little bit of time in worship, but we are calling you to a greater level of prayer. And if any of this hits a button, if you've read this passage and it hits a button where maybe you're in a place where unity seems really difficult or you're struggling and a call to serve someone else feels overwhelming or forgiveness is a place where you feel really stuck, please, please get on that Zoom call and let someone pray for you. You're gonna go in, it's gonna look like it's not private right away, but immediately you'll be taken into a private room where someone can pray for you and it is so good for our souls to be praying for each other. So wherever we're at, we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to come, that his kingdom would come on earth and his will would be done here as it is in heaven. And that we wanna bless the Lord's work in this church and in this time and in this season where it doesn't seem like he can do his, his, his Holy Spirit magical work. We wanna ask him to do it. And so let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're here. Thank you that you love each person who serves you and you love people who don't know you. And I pray that during this time, you would do something to unify this body that makes no sense, that it can only be attributed to you and to your kingdom work. I pray that you would help us meditate on your word and listen to you and trust your instruction, even when it doesn't make sense to our minds and to our hearts. 
And Lord, I pray that you would help us see you, experience you as our Heavenly Father who is tenderhearted, who's forgiven us, who is kind, that you would settle our souls, you would give us a deep security in your love for us so that we can offer that to the world. Will you soothe our anxiety? Will you soothe the angst? Will you soothe the anger? Will you replace it with your peace and with your unity and with your love? And we ask this in Christ's name, amen.